Thanks for listening to audio from North Monroe. To learn more about who we are, visit northmonroe.com or download the North Monroe app in the App Store or on Google Play. Now, here's this week's message. Good morning. It's great to be back here at North Monroe. I've preached here for 25 years, I believe, and last year was the first year that uh, in a long time, unless we were overseas during this time, that we were not here. And the reason was that Barbara came down with COVID, uh, we thought, the night before, and we got up about 7 o'clock, and I called Pastor Bill, and and we just talked about it, decided we better not come today. This was last year. And I said, you know, if I I get it from her, then I'm going to, when we go back to Memphis, I might wind up having fever on the way home, and it's going to be kind of rough. And sure enough, I got it. And uh, I was in the hospital five days and on a ventilator for 16 days. It attacked my lungs and took several months to get over it. And then it gave me AFib in the heart. But praise the Lord, I'm back on my feet now. And I know that many of you have had COVID and this has been a rough year. But you know, it's been a year of victory. It's always great to come to North Monroe Baptist Church. I love this church. My sister and brother-in-law are members. My, my dad was a deacon here, and I've been connected with this church for many, many years. And this is just a great, wonderful church. I love your pastor and Brother Warren, all the staff. And what a wonderful praise team we just had. Amen? Isn't that great? If you have your Bibles, turn in the book of Acts chapter 17. And I want to speak today on how to turn the world upside down for Christ. And as you turn in your Bibles... I want to encourage you to go out and and get you one of these dolls. This is a project, not of me and Barbara, but it's a project of your church and your missions department. Laura Young and uh, Brother Joy uh, have been working and ministering with us around the world. And uh, the ladies in Honduras uh, made these dolls, and they'll go to help the, the women there and the poor families there, not only there, but also in East Africa. And it's really important that you support that doll ministry so we can help these ladies in these different countries of Central America and East Africa. I want to share with you from the Bible, Acts chapter 17, on how to turn the world upside down. And in this passage, we see the formula or the steps to do that. And certainly you want God to use you to turn this city, Monroe, upside down. The state of Louisiana, the United States of America, which certainly needs it, and then the world. As we look at this passage, we see Paul and Silas. They're going from city to city throughout Asia Minor, and they're preaching the gospel. And wherever Paul went, there was either a revival or there was a riot. And in this case, they had both a revival, and a riot. And as you look at this passage, we see something real special here. Because every time you preach the gospel, and I've been preaching now for 60 years and been in 67 different nations of the world preaching the gospel to thousands and thousands of people, and there are always one of three reactions whenever the gospel is preached. It doesn't matter if it's in Monroe or it doesn't matter if it's in Southeast Asia. One of three reactions. Number one, some people are going to get mad when they hear the gospel. And that is certainly true in our world today. 
Many, many Christians are being persecuted and killed throughout the whole world simply because of the message of Jesus Christ being the King, the Messiah, the Lord and Savior. Look in verse 5. There were Jews. They were jealous. And they rounded up a mob of bad characters from the marketplace. They formed a mob and started a riot in the city. Now, in those days, they did not have church buildings like we do. They met in homes. And in this particular city, they had a man named Jason, and his house was used as a house church. And so I could imagine the Christians down there at Jason's house, just use your imagination a little bit, and they're there, and they're just singing, and they're worshiping the Lord, and they're having a great time together, and all of a sudden, they hear a noise outside, and I don't know how many people, may have been 100, 200, may have been 1,000, may have been 10,000. And they're marching down the street, and they're shouting, we want the Christians, we want the Christians, we want the Christians, we want the Christians. And they go into Jason's house, and they grab him by the hair of the head, they pull him out. Evidently, Paul and Silas escaped, and they made an accusation. And in the old King James Version, I love it the way it's translated, it says, these men who have turned the world upside down, have now come here. And you know, if I get arrested for some reason, that's what I want to get arrested for. If I go to jail, that's what I want to go to jail for. Turning the world upside down for Christ. Some people, when they hear the gospel, are going to get mad. Some people are going to get glad. Look in verse 4. And it says here that in verse 4 that some of the Jews were persuaded. And they joined Paul and Silas. They gave their hearts to Christ. And, they, and it was a large number of Greek fearing Greek, God-fearing Greeks. And there was not only that, but there were a lot of women who gave their life to Christ. So some people are going to hear the gospel. They're going to receive the gospel. They're going to be glad. And then thirdly, not in this passage, but in the gospel loop, there's another reaction. And that is some people are going to get sad. I'm thinking of the rich young ruler. He came to the right person, Jesus. He came the right way. He ran. He asked the right question. What do I have to do to have eternal life? He got the right answer. Sell all you got. Repent. Turn your life. Surrender to me. Follow me. And then the Bible says he walked away sad. So whenever you share the gospel, whether it be Monroe, Louisiana, or out in South Africa, or Asia, or in the Muslim world, you're going to have these three actions. Some are going to get mad. Some are going to be happy, glad, because they did receive Christ. And some are going to reject and walk away sad. Now, as you look at this passage, how did Paul and Silas, how were they used of God to turn the world Upside down for Christ. Three things this passage shows us. Number one, it took a certain kind of message. It takes a certain kind of message. Look in verse 2. As his custom was, he went to the synagogue, and here it is. The first kind of message he preached was a biblical message. He says here in the passage, he reasoned with them for three Sabbath days from the Scriptures. And that is what we do as missionaries. We don't preach about politics. I don't preach about anything except the Word of 
God because the problem in our world today is not political, really and truly. The root problem is in the heart of man. And man needs a new heart. He needs a clean heart. He needs a God heart. He needs a Christ heart. And when the heart is right with God and God, he has a God heart. His life is changed. And therefore, we will see a world change. And so the Apostle Paul, wherever he went throughout the world, he preached the word of God. Every day, almost of the week, we preach in the gospel throughout the world using the internet. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. And over and over and over, because I'm preaching to people who are not church people, who are not uh, Christians, and over and over and over, I just go like this. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, I just keep quoting the Bible, and I quote Scripture over and over because the Bible says that the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it penetrates into the heart of a person. Even if I'm talking to an atheist, a guy says, I don't even believe in God. And I was on a plane the other day and, and, and going down to Brazil, and I sat by a guy, and that's what he told me. And before the conversation was over, uh, he had almost changed his mind. But the thing I do is, to an atheist, you just talk to an atheist, I know you don't believe in the Bible, I know you don't believe in God, but let me just explain to you from the Bible what it says so you at least know what you're not believing. And then you start quoting the Bible, and the Holy Spirit will, will touch his heart. So always get to the Word of God. You know how to witness to someone? It's real easy. You just get to know the name, just shake your hand, get to know the name, and you ask them this question, particularly here in the South. Here's how you do it. You say, where do you go to church? That's all you got to do. Where do you go to church? And they'll name some church maybe. Well, they say, oh, I'll go to North Monroe. <clears throat> then you, if you want to embarrass them, then you say, well, who's the pastor over there? And they go, I don't remember that. I can't think of his name. But, but, but anyway, after that, you say, well, may I ask you a spiritual question? Most everybody's going to say, yeah. They say, okay, if you die today, you know you're going to heaven. And most people are going to say, well, I don't know. And then you say, well, let me show you how you can. And then you walk them through what we call the Roman road. You just take your Bible. You can learn about that later, and, and the pastor can teach you or whatever. And, and you just share with him about five or six scriptures from the Word of God, and you can teach them how to become a believer in Christ. Their life can be changed instantly, anywhere, everywhere, gas stations, Walmart, at school, your neighbors, anywhere. Just ask that question and say, can I share with you how you can know for sure that Christ is in your life? And use the Word of God. Secondly, it was a Christ-centered message. He preached Christ. He, uh, he exalted Christ. He honored Christ. He glorified Christ. He talked about Christ because Jesus Christ had changed his life, and it was a, a Christ-centered message. One of the things that I've done throughout the world, and Barbara and I have now been in 67 different countries, and we train thousands and thousands of pastors in the gospel, how to share the gospel, how to make disciples, and how to start new churches. And one of the things I ask in all our uh, conferences, training conferences, is this question. What is the gospel according to the Bible? And I think, and I've... Uh, Ask that question to thousands of pastors, thousands of leaders all over the world. And I think I can count maybe five who've answered that question correctly. 
If I ask you, what is the gospel? What would you say? Some people say, well, it's the power of God. It has power. Some people say Jesus died on the cross. That's not the gospel because two thieves died beside him that same day. So what is the gospel? It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. And it explains clearly what the gospel is that has so much power and so much authority to change a person's life. Totally. What is it? I want you to all stand up, if you would, and I'm going to do a demonstration. I want you to do it with me so that you'll never forget what the gospel is after today. You ready? Do what I do. Here's the gospel. There are three parts to it. Number one, Christ died for our sins. Say that. Right. A lot of people say Christ died. The gospel is not that Christ died. He died for our sins. Okay? So let's do it again. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose from the dead on the third day. Then I like to go put my finger toward heaven and say, He's alive right now. Turn to the person beside you and say, And He wants to come into your heart. <laughs> let's do it again. You ready? All right, now you're warmed up. All right, what is the gospel? Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose from the dead on the third day. He's alive right now, and he wants to live in your heart. Amen. All right. (laughs) That's the life-changing gospel. (laughs) That right there has the power to change people's lives. One of the ways that we're doing it in our ministry is through the Internet. Just a few years ago, you could not do what I'm going to show you, what we're doing right now. Every day but Monday, we're on the Internet, and we have what the Africans call living water crusades. This week, we had 17 of these. On Monday, we don't do them. Everybody rests. We had 17 throughout the world and through the villages. And what we've done this year is we've gotten these little three-wheel bikes. See that? A motorbike with three wheels on it. Put a cover on the back. And they're going out into the villages of Africa and India. And they set it up and we show the Jesus film. After 45 minutes, they stop it. And I preach from my home in Memphis. We have a team. I have a little small team that helps me because we have so many of them during the week. I can't do all of them. I did two of them yesterday. I preached in the morning at about 9 o'clock in the morning. I was preaching to a group in India. And then at 11 o'clock or 1030, I was preaching to another crowd over in Kenya. All through the Internet. And we're going to these unreached villages in the backside of Africa where no one will ever go. And we also have big trucks, and we go into the major and some populated areas, and we erect a huge stage. You see that? Like a rock concert. And people come by the thousands, thousands of people coming. In this particular crusade right here, we had over 13, 10 to 13,000 people who attended. You want to put the next slide up? <clears throat> and uh, you see that? There I am. I'm preaching from my house from my living room in, uh, up in Memphis, Tennessee. 
And every week, we're doing that. We're preaching the gospel, a biblical-centered message, a Christ-centered message. And we're seeing thousands of people come to Christ. Let me just read you some testimonies. I get over 100 of these a week, every week, every week. We're seeing the power of God change people's lives. Now, this is going to get a little rough. This just came in just recently. She said, I was three years old when I was kidnapped by Joseph Conve. And Joseph Conve was a rebel leader who was leading the war in northern Uganda against the Ugandan government. And this lady, his name is Atin. And she said that she was raised from three years old to be a, a rebel terrorist soldier. And she said they went out to war and they usually would get drunk. And then they would take little children, kill them, sacrifice them, drink their blood before going into war. She said the blood they drank usually made them fearless. And then they would slaughter anyone they saw on the road. She also said they would drink urine. And she said they would stop buses and they would kill everybody in the bus. She said that they would find people in a group. They'd take three of them, capture them, kill them, and cook them for other people to eat. But it was during the peace talks. She escaped. She got out. She became free. Her name is Atim. And she showed up at one of our film meetings. And she heard the gospel. And she gave her life to Christ in the Nuwawa district of Uganda. And she was baptized. And during that time, she was taken. When she was taken, her parents were killed. And now she says, I got five kids. I don't even know if she knows who the father are. But she says, I'm living a happy life. I'm praising God with church members because the church members have now become my people. And they become my parents and they become my relatives. You see the power of Christ. We get letters like this every day. Got one the other day, a, young, a man in, in Burundi, East Africa. He said, I was poor and I wanted to be rich, so I went to the witch doctor. I get letters about people going to witch doctors every day. And he said, the witch doctor told me to kill my son, to sacrifice him, and I would become rich. So I killed my son. And I was poor. I did not become rich. And then I became a drunkard, and he showed up at our film meeting. He heard the gospel. He heard that Christ died for his sins, and Christ could forgive him of his sins. He could start a new life. He could have a clean life. He could have a new life because Christ rose from the dead, and Christ could come into his heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he went forward during the invitation, and he surrendered his life to Christ. He says, now I'm free. I'm forgiven. That is the power of Christ, and that's the message of the gospel that we preach every day around the world to thousands and thousands of people. When the lockdowns are over, we're going to have about 17 teams preaching all over the world daily, and we're going to see thousands beyond our imagination of anything we'd ever dream 
of people coming to Christ. So the first point of how to turn the world upside down, number one, it takes a certain kind of message. The second point is this, it takes a certain kind of method. Look in verse 2. It says in verse 2 that Paul went to the synagogue. Now, I lived in Brazil almost 20 years in a city called Belo Horizonte. And in Belo Horizonte, I served as a missionary, Barbara did, and they don't have a synagogue there. So I could not do what Paul did. But here's the principle that we do. Methods, the method always changes based on your culture and the people that you're trying to reach. The message never changes. The message never can change, but the methods can always change. I'm going to ask Barbara now to come up, and she's going to show you some of the methods that we're using. And I want you to see this because your church, North Monroe, our church, y'all pray for us, you support us, and because of you, this is what's taking place. Barbara? You know, these last couple of years, <clears throat> through the COVID, what Satan really meant for harm, God has been able to use for good in many, many areas. And out where we work in East Africa and even in Honduras and India, because they were locked down, there was literally starvation. Because they just go out and work on a day-to-day -day basis and they weren't able to do anything. And so children would come crying to their fathers for food, and there was no food. And many fathers over there were committing suicide. And so your church and many individuals and uh, many other churches gave, and it was just incredible, the outpouring of love and giving that we had. And so we were able to help over 6,000 families, which represented almost 27,000 people. And they're in Mozambique. They have a war in the north of Mozambique, and, and there's refugees coming down to an area called Achilu, which we've been trying to reach Achilu for a couple of years with food and clothing, and they just come with the clothes on their back, no food. And this is a picture of a grandmother who walked from this war-torn area with her two grandchildren. The grandchildren's parents were killed in the war, so she showed up with nothing, and she was telling them how the day before they just went to bed with no food, but we were able to give her food. Many Muslims, we were able to share food with Muslims, and the Muslims said over and over, you know, I've been taught all my life that Christians hate us, but now I know, and I'm going to serve a different God. And as we share this food, of course, we would share the gospel and not only share the gospel, but invite them if we could, if they would accept a Bible study in their home. So we had almost 1,500 that responded when we gave the food, and then over 1,000 that allowed us to go to their homes and share the good news stories. And it's really there that they, came to, they come to an understanding of what salvation is, and, and we can begin to disciple them. Another need there is an ability to provide for your family, men and women. They just don't have a way to make money and provide for their family. So we have begun Votech Centers, and this is a building of a pavilion that we've built in uh, several areas where we can have welding schools and tailoring schools. 
And so the tailoring school for the women, I have a testimony I want to share with you about a lady named Sharon. She said, this has changed my life, and I'm looking to a hopeful future. There was a time in my life I even thought I was useless in our house because my husband kept mocking me and telling me that other ladies were outside being busy and helping their families, but I just sat at home and depended on him. I didn't like those harsh words. I could even hide and cry with a thought that I'm useless and there was no need for me to even be married. When I heard about this school, a friend of mine was telling me that it was for anyone could go and be in this school to get skills. I had wanted to go to dressmaking school, but because of the distance and fees, I was not able to. I'm grateful to God for our manager, Hannington, and when I first met him for help to register me as a student from his interview, I thought I had failed. But he really encouraged me and told me to go and speak to Flo, who's the teacher of the class. When I went back and told my husband, he was happy to hear what I have found, that I have found an opportunity in the school, and since then I have started experiencing value. And now in our house, we have peace because we also study the Bible in the tailoring school, and I have come to know Jesus. Today, I have hope in life, and I believe after this training, I will start making money to feed my family. Since I was married, this is since I've been married, this was the only time we have had Bible discussions in our home. I feel good to be. Uh, I feel that this is really an answer to prayer. It is beyond imagination that my husband and I are now walking together and studying the Word of God together. I now have hope in my life. It's all about changing lives, God changing lives, and giving an opportunity. And as you go out and you buy these dolls, that is giving opportunity to women to have this tailoring skill and for God to change their lives to be able to provide for their families. And we're not only helping the women, but we're helping young men in welding and the welding schools. And, and you can see here some of the products that they make, and they're just they're beautiful products that they're able to make. And we have a testimony from a young man, Wandera. He said, my, I'm 19 years old. I was raised by my auntie. I was told that my mother died when I was still a baby. The husband of my auntie educated only his children, so I was left at home to do housework. I've never seen my father, but I was told that he is alive. I was passing, and I saw this welding school, and one of my friends was one of the students, and he talked to me. I told him I was interested in joining, and he advised me to go and ask my auntie if I could come and talk to the teacher. I thank God that my auntie accepted and came and talked to the teacher who also brought us to the pastor, and I am now a student. I want to learn to begin to work and buy my own land, build my house, and now I have hope. I will be in a position to help my family in the future. Thank you, Jesus. I also gave my life to Jesus from the pastor's preaching. 
again, just changed life and hope given to many young men. We hear this story over and over about young men who had no hope, no work, and now they're able to make a living. We also have hair salon there in Kenya. We have two of those. And uh, teaching women how to do the hair, everybody in Africa has got to have their hair done like all women, uh, but they're able to learn how to do that and be able to make money. So we have those Votech schools to help both men and women to be able to provide for their family. Well, one of the greatest needs that we face out there is dirty water. You can see in this picture, there are cows, there's probably going to be goats, there's women washing their clothes, and this is also the water that they drink. Over and over and over, we have many, many pictures of people going to water like this, and that's what they drink. You can imagine the diseases. There's one young lady, she's 27, her name is Mercy O'Dongle, and she had three children, and she said when she had her third child, newborn child, her husband was working in another sub-county, and so he wasn't at home. I would walk for about five kilometers, which is three miles, and search for water since our former well was down. It was very difficult times since I had a baby that needs a lot of water for bathing the baby and washing clothes. Another lady, 45, Grace, she had six children, and she said her children kept getting headaches and stomach aches. She'd go to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, you've just got to find some clean water. She said, but we don't have any clean water. But then the church came and drilled us away, or dug. They dig them by hand. They're not drilled, but they dig them by hand. There was a picture there of a hole with a man down in it. But somebody uh, gave us a well, dug a well for us. Another lady, Rose Okulu, she said, I was a terrible maker of local alcohol. Every day, people would get drunk in my house and fight. Many times, I have been taken to the police because I was accused of the assault. One day, I was going to get water from the well, and I found people studying the Word of God, and I felt like I could spend only five minutes to listen from the Word. I was mindful of my business, but I found that the Word was life-changing and hope-building. So I did attend the study for three times consecutively, and it touched my life to the extent where I realized I needed Christ in my life. I then gave my life to Christ. I felt a dramatic change over my life, left the alcohol business, and started a business of poultry, and I am living a happy life with my husband and children. Life has never been as it was, living in my new life. And we're not only providing wells in some of the countries, but in Burundi and in uh, Rwanda, y'all remember Justin that came here from Rwanda? In those two countries, we do water filters. So you see here a picture of pygmies, those, uh, the man, the gentleman is the father and his two children standing in front of that house. And in both Burundi and Rwanda, there's large pygmy populations. So we have now targeted those two populations. We're taking them water filters, and we're also taking them goats. And they can raise goats and be able to live on the milk. And when they have babies, and they can sell them and be able to provide for themselves. 
You know, it's just amazing what God has done, and we just thank you so much, North Monroe, for your faithfulness, for your prayers, for your support as a church, and also many of you as individuals, for your supporting for the growth of the kingdom. And it's just all to the honor and the glory of God. Thank you. Amen. I want to say thank you, North Monroe, for your participation in prayers. And what's the result of all of this? Over the last decade, a little over a decade, we've seen now over 100,000 people come to the Lord and get into our network of churches and be baptized. Over 100, I think it's close to 120, 150,000. I don't know, I can't remember the exact number. We have over 2,000 what we call house churches. We don't have money to buy land and build buildings for all the people that's being converted. So we're starting churches and houses, and they got them, hundreds of them all throughout uh, East Africa, and we're starting them up in India, where we're working up in India. Next year, I'm going to share with you about the ministry in India. But, but we're starting that, and now we've seen over 100,000 over 100, people come to Christ, not just raise their hand and pray a prayer, but actually join our churches and been baptized in the last 10 years. And this church, and every one of you, when you give to this church, you are participating in everything you're seeing here today. And we just want to say thank you. Point number three, and the last one, it takes a certain kind of message. It takes the gospel message, the Bible message. It takes a certain kind of method, and then it takes a certain kind of person. Look in verse one. The word says, and they, and they traveled throughout Asia preaching the gospel. Who is the they? Who are are the they? It's Paul and Silas. What kind of men were they? They were men who had met Christ. They were men who had their lives changed by Christ. I want to ask you a question today. Has your life been changed by Jesus? Does he live in your heart? If Christ has changed your life, I want to say this, then he also has set you on a mission to fulfill for his glory. That mission is not to sit in a pew in church. It's to serve. And Christ has changed your life, and now you are on a mission. You don't even have to leave Monroe. You may be an electrician. You may be a plumber, a schoolteacher, a lawyer, doctor, whatever, housewife. But you have a mission that has an eternal worldview, a kingdom perspective. 28 years ago, yesterday, my first wife was named Sherry. She's from East Tennessee, and she went to Nigeria, Africa as a journeyman. I went to Vietnam in 1968, and we met in that program. We got back, we got married, and lived in Washington for 10 years, served there, and then God called us to Brazil. But what we did not know was that Sherry had a disease called scleroderma. It attacks the internal organs, and it makes your organs turn hard as leather, gradually. And yesterday, 28 years ago, I came in from a trip at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 4.20, walked in the house, and found my beautiful, precious wife, Sherry, dead on the floor. She just fainted and died in Brazil. Prior to that, She went through a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. 
And I remember one day I was riding down the road with her in our truck. And I said, Sherry, let's go back to America. Our two children are over here at Washington Baptist University. Your mom and dad are here. We've got the best doctors in the world in America. Let's go back. And I'll get a job doing something, working at McDonald's, but I will be with you. I'll support you to you for the rest of your life. I'll never forget what she said. She turned to me. She said this. The purpose of my life is to glorify Christ, both in my life and in my death. And God has called me to Brazil, and I'm going to stay. And stay she did. She stayed on her post, glorifying Christ, until her last breath. That's the kind of person it's going to take to turn the world upside down for Christ. And I ask you a question today. What is your life goal? What is your life purpose? Can you say with all honesty, deep in your heart, I've surrendered all I know of myself to all I know of Christ. I give my life to you. And the purpose, the fundamental underlying purpose of my life is not to make money or be famous, but it's to glorify Christ in my life and also in my death. And then find your mission. There are many ways to serve God through this church. Many ways. And God has not called you to be a sinner. He's called you to be a servant and say, Lord, I surrender all. Use me to turn Monroe upside down, to turn this state, turn this country, to turn this world Whatever it is, it may be little, it may be small, it may be big, but God, here I am. Use me. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. It could be you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. So what do I do? You believe he died on a cross? Yes. You believe he rose from the dead for your sins? He rose from the dead? Yes. But there's one thing you must do. You must open your heart, receive him by giving your life to him. You can pray right now and just say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Come into my heart, be my Lord and my Savior. And most of you have done that. But as a Christian, a member of this church, would you say, God, I want my life to glorify you in my life of death. And I want to be on your mission and I'm going to find what it is and I'm going to do it. Would you pray that? Our hope is that this message has encouraged you to seek Christ in your own life and make him known wherever you are. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.